Hi, good afternoon, guys. We're back for one more podcast. Um, welcome to Hear Our Voices. And today we have Merita coming to tell you more information about what she does. So you have the floor right now. Tell me what do you do and how do you help the homeless population? Okay, thank you, Kabisha, for having me. Um, so my name is Mirta, again, Mirta Santana. I work for an organization called Riceboro Community Partnership. We are in mostly in the Bushwick, Bedside, Brownsville, Williamsburg community in Brooklyn. We've been around for almost 50 years, started the organization. Um, I did not start the organization. The organization started almost 50 years, 50 years ago, I should say, um, as, a, as a senior center. And since then it's grown to be what it is today. We develop affordable housing. We provide meals for seniors in their home and also uh, operate multiple senior centers through our, throughout North Brooklyn. Um, we also run a, a youth and education center in Bushwick and provide after school summer youth employment to multiple to hundreds of young people in the Bushwick, Bedstuy, and Brownsville communities. Um, and we provide homelessness prevention and eviction prevention services uh, in, in the same communities. My, my current role is overseeing the program side of um, what I've described at, at Riceboro. My title is Chief Program Officer. But I, I do have to say that I've got, I have a background in homelessness prevention. I've worked in homelessness prevention for now close to 14 years. And that's where my technical expertise lies. Um, we at, at Riceboro oversee a eviction prevention program through legal assistance. Uh, we have uh, lawyers, paralegals, community organizers that help protect the rights of tenants, mostly re, uh, people living in poverty in, in North Brooklyn and really throughout the, the Brooklyn community. Uh, we also provide a homelessness prevention through our home base program and home base is part of the safety net that exists for those getting evicted and at risk of homelessness in New York City. We do that through professional case management, uh, benefit navigation, financial coaching, and access to financial assistance, meaning we're able to pay rental arrears and really stabilize people's housing through a basically a bucket of money that HRA provides us for, uh, for, for that use. And uh, recently we started providing also application assistance for the emergency rental assistance program that the state of New York just rolled out on January 1st uh, that provides um, basically the payment of back rent going back to March of 2020. We're assisting anyone who lives uh, in the city um, with a priority to those who live in Brooklyn and Queens to apply for that grant and also if they need assistance beyond that or if they need assistance to pay arrears that go back further than March of 2020, we are referring them to programs like Homebase, uh, for example. Uh, and la lastly, we have a, a small, bad, what I call a boutique style um, rehousing program. We serve around uh, two dozen families per year who 
um, are living in shelter now and we provide them the resources uh, through staffing mainly to relocate in, uh, in the community. So that's, the, that's basically in a, in a nutshell, in a, in a few minutes, kind of like description, general description of what the organization does and what I feel passionate about. It's really keeping people housed um, and keeping communities in, especially in North Brooklyn, vibrant and uh, filled with immigrants, people of color. That, that We are at the end of the day, the heart of the city. You're definitely right about that. You're definitely right about that. As you can see, her organization has a lot of things to offer, to be honest. And the reason why we bring this podcast to you is because we want people to understand before you even get into the shelter, there's a lot of help out there. You just don't know about the help. And we wanted to bring people who can give you the information telling you that, oh, this can work for you before you get into the shelter. And even after shelter, she has some aftercare for the people too. So out of every program that you have, what do you think is most successful for people or what they should know to like probably what documents to bring in and things like that? And also where can they, because you say you only do Brooklyn, right? So our, so our emergency rental assistance program is, uh, would provide services to anyone in the city. Okay. Um, the HRA um, uh, made a few awards to, uh, to a few nonprofits in the in, in New York City to help people with the application. So for that specific program, we could help anyone who lives in any of the five boroughs. Uh, we are concentrating in people, meaning doing outreach and, and uh, that type of stuff for uh, for people who live in Brooklyn and Queens. Because really, uh, you know, when it comes to providing social services, when it comes to providing services to people who are living in poverty, I really think it's important that we do it uh, uh, in a way that dignifies people. And I would never think it's right to ask someone who lives in Staten Island to come to, for example, Bushwick for services when there are great organizations in Staten Island, uh, for example, or in the Bronx who are providing these services. So yes, we do a, a lot and we could serve people throughout the five boroughs, but um, things really do have to work, Kadisha, for people. It's, it's not only, uh, Riceboro is one of multiple really great organizations that exist um, in, in the city. So mostly Brooklyn, um, the home-based program is very regulated based on zip codes. Um, that is the one that is probably the most regulated, but everybody, regardless of where they live in the city, have access to a home-based provider. Our zip codes are the zip codes in uh, Bushwick, uh, Brownsville, Williamsburg, and Bed-Stuy. So if you live in, I am sure I'm gonna forget a zip code, by the way, <laughs> I know I am, uh, but they they are uh, 11237, 11206, 11212, uh, 11221, um, and I'm forgetting, I'm sure a few. Um, but if you for to to know where your your the appropriate home base is located for you, the best way really is to either call three one one 
and say, I am a risk of eviction, or I am a risk of homelessness, or I'm living doubled up in an unstable situation. Uh, where is my local home base provider? And they're just going to ask you for the zip code and provide you the information. Uh, or you could go to the uh, New York City HRA's website, and they in there have a list of all the providers in the city. And I do believe they have a map also that shows uh, depending on where where you where you zip code you live in, what one what number, what home base provider you should go to. So home base is regulated by zip codes, even though, however, I should I should say um, HRA uh, has uh, allowed us in the last few years to serve anyone that shows and through our doors. There's an open door policy. So for example, if someone lives in Manhattan, but, ha but happens to work in Bushwick and they wanna come to our home-based program, that is completely fine also. It's really wherever people feel that they, they wanna get their services. Understandable. And guys, the services do work and might, you might need a little bit of patience to go through the services because I've definitely used the services in Queens and also in Brooklyn where I live now. And um, I could tell you the, some, some of the things that I did get so far, what I believe is furniture help and also rent arrears help. So it definitely works. You just have to have patience, like I said, and listen to the workers there and bring the documents that you need. Um, I'm not going to say every single thing is successful going through, but if you just take your time and have patience with the workers, you'll definitely get what you need to um, help yourself, you and your family. So don't I, I agree. Yeah. I agree. I agree with what you're saying. Patience, but I also encourage people to advocate for themselves and to, I mean, I, I really love, Kadisha, that you're doing this podcast and um, just you are to me an example of somebody that has you know educated themselves in these services and it's and knows how to advocate for herself so I I always encourage that with people sometimes things don't go right in um in in, in social service organizations where for the most part, underfunded, our staff is uh, stretched very thin, and especially during this pandemic, people are stretched very, very thin. Um, but we're here to, we, we are here to help and support people who are especially at risk of becoming homeless. If you feel that the services that have been provided to you are not to your standards, or if you feel like, you know, I don't know, I was found ineligible for something I believe I, I should be getting. Um, I always tell people, don't, don't be afraid, advocate for yourself, you know, uh, you know go into, into the internet, Google information, ask your friends, ask to speak to people's supervisor, because sometimes, um, you know, you, you, you might have a worker that might not have the, the, the full picture um, so for that reason, I always encourage people just, just push, uh, because at the end of the day, we are here to help you. However, this is your family. These are your children who might be at risk, um, of having to go to path, uh, for, for shelter. So don't be, don't be afraid to push. I want to ask a question because it just popped into my head, but I already know the answer, <laughs> but somebody out there who's listening might not know the answer for this particular question. Do you guys 
base anything on age. I know like certain programs you have to do a certain age group or things like that. Um, do you qualify with certain people's backgrounds? People probably wouldn't want to know the answer for that. So every one of our eviction and homelessness prevention program has a eligibility requirement. I would say for the most part, the um, only eligibility that applies across the board is income. Um, is uh, basically people have to be living in poverty to receive the services. Uh, age um, and um, things of that nature are really not um, a requirement. Um, however, you know, it, there are multiple situations, unfortunately, in which people, um, just to give you an example, the home-based program requires that family with children are under 200% of FPL. And um, that's very jargony, but there is basically an amount that the federal government calculates every year and says, if you're a family of one, if you're a family of two or three or four, this is the maximum amount of money. And we encounter many situations in which people are just above that, that maximum that they can make per year by $100. And um, it's, it's at times really devastating because um, that means the person's not eligible. And what we end up doing is just really just providing advice to people um, in terms of like, you know, go you know, go to HRA, apply for a one-shot deal, you know, speak to your landlord, try to work out a payment plan, um, things like that, taking a, 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 um, a, a roommate, any sort of like potential somewhat solution to the program. But if they are over income, we are not, um, we're not able. And, 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 and really the, the, the thing that, breaks our heart often is the ones that are just over by a hundred dollars. Clearly, if you're a family of two and you're making a hundred thousand dollars a year, you don't need these services. You you don't. If you if you're it's 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 the ones that are just slightly above the 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 requirement. And these income requirements, by the way, they're very low. Um, this is a very, very expensive city uh, mm. in which even two adults working full time earning minimum wage are not able to afford a $1,400 rent, which is really a, a very cheap rent in comparison uh, to what people are paying in the city for a two bedroom. That's definitely true. Um, like she said before, um, if you do make it over the income bracket, don't feel discouraged because they will give you the worker should be giving you information of other places what can help you. Example, she used HRA. And again, I used those services before too. So I definitely know that the services work there. I'm going to say right now, HRA, you also need a lot of patience there. <laughs> but um, do, do you need patience? <laughs> <laughs> you just need a lot of patience. I know it's frustrating when you're going through this whole process and you feel like, it feels like honestly, nobody's helping you. And because time is crunching down, it feels like, I'm not never gonna get this done, but usually HRA just comes right right under the like the line. Like you're about to get evicted tomorrow, you need the money today. <laughs> they come today, which is sad to say, but it happens. They um they paid my rent a couple of times through a one shot deal. They also do storage. You'd be surprised how much things HRA actually do cover, and just 
just have patience. It can get overwhelming. It can be a lot, but just really have patience um, with the workers. And as she said before, they are stretched thin, especially through everything what was happening last year through the pandemic. The workers are having a lot. A lot of people are going more homeless. Even on, they're not supposed to be going because they have a moratorium in place, but it's still happening. So just take time with the workers. They're trying to help you. And it's just a lot. We're all going through the same crisis. It's not like there's one person going through this. We're going through this, at, like the world's going through. It's not even New York, New York City or America. The world is going through problems and the people are here who are in this, these positions are here to help you and to make you hopefully get a better life for you and your family. Um, just don't give up. That's all I'm saying. So um, I have a, you have anything else you want to share about what you do? Yeah, no, I, um, I'm trying to go through in my mind, like really any important items. I, I mean, I, I really do encourage people right now to apply for the emergency rental assistance program mm -hmm. is, you know, everything is done through a portal. Um, for those who are technologically savvy, it should be an, a process that they could do on their own. Uh, you, you could apply to up to 12 months of um, back rent. Uh, or, and uh, for, for people who are um, uh, living in poverty, they could get an additional three months of rent for, for, for rent, I should, I should oh, call it. Um, these funds are part of a packet that was the money that came from the, the federal government. It's a total of $2.4 billion. I would never in my, in my wildest dreams would think that the state of New York would have access to so much financial assistance to pay rental arrears. Yeah. So if you have any rental arrears, please apply for ERAP if, for people that might need assistance to do it um, because maybe, you know, you know, some, sometimes tell you computers sometimes drive you crazy or <laughs> you might not have a computer. Um, and there's a bunch of also documents that need to be uploaded. I know my, my staff has been telling me that, that people are struggling with uploading documents. Um, even if you do start the application on your own, if you need assistance uploading the documents, you could come to us. The best way to get the information of where to where to come is just go to riseboro.org. Um, and there is a, uh, a hotline information there and an email. I remember the email. It is erap at riceboro.org and hold on i will give you the hotline also if you give me a few seconds <laughs> no problem because you know you could call i and and, and and by the way yesterday uh this the director of the program was telling me that um she is receiving her day in the hotline um three over 300 calls um, of people wow. inquiring for um, inquiring for for um, 
for rental assistance. So if you have questions or you're, you want just questions about the program or if you wanna get an appointment so that you can fill out the application. Again, this is just an application. It's not, you're not gonna get case management services. They're not gonna ask you to do X, Y, and Z. Just come with your documents, spend an hour, fill out the application with us and then everything is sent to the state and they will let you know by email, uh, you and your landlord, if, you, if you're gonna receive the funds. Uh, if you want more information, if you wanna um, ask for an appointment, the hotline number is 718-547-2800. Again, 718-547-2800. Or you could email us and I do encourage people to email us because the, the number of calls are so many at this point. <laughs> um, it's erab at riseworld.org. That's E-R-A-P at riseworld.org. You could email us and uh, you'll get, if you send us an email, you'll get a response within 24 hours. And it could just, again, be simply a question or you could ask for an appointment for, for one of our staff to help you um, with the online portal. Yes, so that will also be in the description below if you didn't catch that in case you don't want to slow it down or whatever. So that'll be in the description below. Um, also, guys, the section eight, I don't think it's closed yet. The section eight applications actually out for New York City. As you know, section eight had closed down for a little bit, <laughs> for not for a long while, but they opened it back up because they see, I think what it is, this pandemic had showed people that people really need help. And until sometimes the homeless people, homeless population are honestly, honest, like forgotten about. But the pandemic put so much people poor and homeless that they had to open their eyes a little bit more and I think shove a little bit more money in that direction. And that's why a lot of these services are opening back up, which is kind of sad that a lot of people lost their lives, but now because of their losing their lives, it's not like in vain, they, other people are getting help because of it. So, um, so yeah, so the Section 8 applications are also out. Fill out that information. It's also a lottery. A lot of things they have in New York City are lotteries, but you never know if you're gonna get picked or not. So just put your name in the game. So you could be able to probably get something for you and your family. So yes. So don't forget in the description down below, there will be more information for you. So do you also help with the Section 8 applications or no? So I'm actually thinking back about Section Eight, uh, the the since they opened the um, the waiting list. I am almost sure, Kadisha, that it just closed. Really? I'm trying to get the information oh. as we speak. Um, we. Um, we do help, we do, um, once you're eligible for, for example, our home-based program, we will do any and everything. And one of, one of the things that I didn't mention also with home-based is that uh, the home-based program is the, the, the provider that helps community people apply for CDFEBS. So okay. for, to get CDFEBS, you either have to be in shelter or if you are in the community, um, we will we will complete the packet for you to get CDFEPS as long as you are eight, you meet the the qualifications, which is you know there were 
uh, have to be uh, meeting an income requirement and also CDFIPS does require that the person has, a, uh, uh, has been in shelter uh, before. So the program does help with that. Uh, however, I do think Section 8, the, the applications for, for the state either close or will be closing very soon. Okay, I understand. Well, if look out for it, they might open it back up soon. I don't know. I don't work with the government, but they might open it back up soon. If not, you can still go to these these home-based organizations and they could tell you, because honestly, in this industry, a lot of things change week to week. So something week to could week. be closed. Yes, literally. So one thing could be closed one week and open the next week. So just call, as she said, the number that they gave you earlier and see what they have to offer you and certain things in that you know, area. Also, I did forget that they do FEPS. Can you explain what city FEPS or FEPS is to people who are listening who doesn't know about this program? So city FEPS is the, is the city um, rental assistance program and it uh, started a few years ago prior to the pandemic, it required for CDFEPs that people met the income eligibility, that they were a risk of eviction, and that meant really that they had to have a housing court case, um, at least a stipulation in hand uh, of their case, and then they had to have been in shelter before. Those are the major uh, qualifications for CDFEPs. So we, we could, uh, the, the home-based program, and really Rice World does and any other home-based program in the city, um, if you meet the qualifications, they put together a packet, and this could be if you are currently in uh, your apartment, um, they help, we will we'll help you put the packet together, or submit all the information to HRA, and HRA would, um, pay any rental arrears and then provide you a ongoing rental assistance program that um, pays your rent with the exception of those people who have income uh, through work, for example, they have to contribute 30% of their income towards rent. Very similar to section A, section A has the same rules is that people pay 30% of their income um, towards, towards the rent. Um, and and if you don't have an apartment, then the provider would help you uh, through resources, giving you information and hitting the pavement, find an apartment that meets the rental uh, the, the rental um, amount. Uh, recently, um, the city FEPS programs rental amounts were approved to increase to the same levels as Section 8 before they were very low or they're still very low because the increase hasn't hit, it's gonna be hitting later in the year in a couple months. And it's very challenging for people to find apartments at those rental levels. But hopefully once those increases, uh, the, the rental increases, meaning the maximum uh, rent that you can, that, you, that the apartment charges, uh, people will have much many more opportunities for 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 apartments so that's the basics of uh, of city feps um, the state feps program uh, goes back to a, a lawsuit that happened in the 90s 
And that program also has an income requirement. However, it's much more strict, requires that people are eligible for a full public assistance case. Um, so mostly if, uh, if people who are employed uh, typically do not qualify because again, they must have a full public assistance case to qualify. And um, they must have a child under the age of 18 to qualify. They do not have to have been in shelter before. That is not a requirement of the state FEPS, but they have to have a child under the age of 18 and they have to have, their income have to be low, and low enough to qualify for a full public assistance program. Uh, the, the, these programs uh, and also require, by the way, prior to the pandemic, that people had a court stipulation. Uh, both programs now, meaning CDFEBS and FEBS, are being much more flexible in terms of what documentation people have to prove risk of homelessness. And it's simply because um, since the moratorium, as Kadisha mentioned, it, there's very few filings in housing court, but people still are unable to pay their rent. So the state and the city have made it um, a little bit more flexible, meaning you don't need a court stipulation. You could get a, a rental breakdown demonstrating that you have rental arrears. This, this um, policy is temporary. Uh, is um, uh, if I if I think this correctly, it's scheduled to expire once the moratorium expires, which is in August, in a couple months from now. Uh, but for now, uh, neither neither of the programs require that you have uh, that you have a court stipulation before before you apply. But clearly, the income uh, and the income is a it's a very very serious requirement and for state FEPS you have to have children under the age of 18 to qualify. I forgot this question earlier but I'm happy I remembered it. The you said that the families have to or people in general have to be under a certain income bracket. Mm -hmm. How long have this income bracket like has it moved up because you know like New York City yeah. rent has moved up after a while. Have how often do they move up this bracket of like poverty for the like restrictions for that certain thing? They, they move, the, the, so the, the federal government have the, uh, uh, the federal poverty line, they move it every year. Uh, certain programs use the area medium, medium income, which um, increases every year. We're talking about, so this is what, uh, the the challenges that exist um, for when 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 people have very low income, yeah. these amounts increase by a very small amount. Mm. We're talking about per year thirty dollars. Meanwhile, rents increase by every year by a hundred dollars. So it, it doesn't it, make sense. <laughs> The system, the 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 system uh, in, in in this country, I'm gonna say, I mean, this city is probably one of the most expensive cities in the world, but in this country, it's really it's really set up to leave uh, poor people behind, and uh, it is unfortunate. I, I agree with what you said earlier around the resources that have become available through the pandemic. I am constantly in shock of 
uh, how you know we have two point four billion dollars for rental assistance. The Section right. A voucher uh, <laughs> a waiting list opened up. Uh, HRA is approving one shot deals left and right, and 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 those are you know uh, uh, people like me who worked in this field and who have had my own experiences about uh, around housing stability have asked for for years, yeah. and um, if. It was never, there was never enough money and the, there was never the right policy uh, because God forbid, if you make money available to those people that do not have any money. Um, but the pandemic has really shown us that all of that is uh, not true. nonsense. Exactly. <laughs> like we already knew it was nonsense, but they clarified it in the pandemic. Like, oh, yes, we really have the money. We just don't want to give it to you. We, we just don't. don't. <laughs> Like, we honestly make the world go round. Like, New York City, without people being, even janitors make a lot of money. Like, people working in Target or different places like Forever 21. I'm just a restaurant business. Without those people, you wouldn't get the necessities that you would get toilet paper. Because they're the ones who are selling it to you to yeah. help you find it and things like this. But yet, they underappreciate it. They're undervalued. Yep. What are you talking about? If you don't have teachers who get qualified, get enough money to get paid, yeah. your your kids, your child that you have cannot learn anything to be a person in this world who's going to be able to help anybody. So people who are doing the most work is not getting paid a yeah. good. I'm not saying give them a billion dollars every month. I'm just saying pay them what they should be paid. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. It really yeah. doesn't make any sense to me. And or yeah. and if you pay them, help them. <laughs> it's, uh, it's it's uh, it's it's people workers getting paid living wages if people are able to make through employment uh enough money to support their families then we would be um there's always going to be a group of people that are unable to work uh for whatever whatever circumstance but you know in this in the city of new york and people applaud this there's a minimum wage of 15 dollars an hour but let's just be real i mean i i $15 an hour, even if you work full time, it's not going to, it's not going to cut it. It's not going to cut it. Even. You're, you're going to need uh, government assistance. So yeah. it's, it's, uh, it's just, it's just the bottom line. And I, you know, the pandemic has really demonstrated that to elected officials and to, you know, state and city and federal government that the expectations that we have, um, in terms of how people living in poverty could sustain themselves are, are really not realistic. You know, the crazy thing is, is like, minimum wage says $15, but for probably for a single person, if they get like a small apartment, you might live okay. But once you start adding other people to your docket, say a child or something like that, or even say a parent who can't take care of themselves anymore, that money is going to go so fast and rent and everything else that you're not going to really see where the money's going to. And you say, I'm making all this money. I'm doing all these hours. I'm working full time for $15 an hour. And you're not physically not going to see the money. There's no way that you're going to see it and also pay rent and also be a little bit happy. It's just, it's really so hard. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. And then the thing about it, they're going to say, oh, if you go to HRA with a certain, like, as you said before, it's going to say, oh, that person makes too much money. Because in their eyes, it's too much money. Mm -hmm. But really, when you add the expense of what they have, it's not enough money. And that's what the problem also resides in. It's a it, disconnect. It, 
a person and a person making minimum wage working full time makes around $2,400 before Uncle Sam comes and takes takes yeah. part of the money. Yeah. So we're talking about, you know, somebody per month making, you know, take home $1,600. And it, it just, and if you rent, it, I mean, even if, if rent you rent a room, <laughs> even if you rent a room, even in the situation that you described that it's a single person, you rent a room for $800, you basically have, the, the, you have a, a, a six, $700 to buy yeah. food, transportation, you know, have fun from time to time because yes. we're all uh, we're we're all human beings, and we all from time to time deserve, as I say, at least to go to Coney Island. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Tell me about it. And we learned from this year, having a good mental health space is going to be the best thing for you. Yes, we've just been through a lot, so it's just like, come on, give us a little break. Even that fifteen hours you said is not even enough. Or a single person when you think about it like that so it's like yeah. we need more and we need to have more resources open for people who are making that amount yeah their mind who they think is not making who's making too much so i don't know what to do <laughs> i'm but, just but, like, now. <laughs> every, every chance i have what i say is that new york city should have a blanketed rental assistance program yeah if you make if you're if you're under a certain uh, poverty level, that automatically you receive a. That's what I've said. Uh, yes. You receive a voucher, and the and that the, the government um, helps you with your rent, and not have to put you through so many hoops, and also make it seem because unfortunately, so many of these structures have a very a very <clears throat> kind of like white supremacist mentality that you have to put people through all these hoops and that you and that if they're getting government assistance um you they you have to humiliate them in the process that's um so, true. so it it that's that's my thinking is that people if you are living in poverty in the city you should just have access to government assistance to pay your rent period and that it, that should be a given that you should have access to food uh, you should have access to healthcare and you should have access to housing. Um, and I, I really do think that until we get to that point as society, we're gonna continue to see the cycles of poverty that we see in, in so many of the people that we serve because uh, as much as we do uh, here at Riseboro, a lot of it is just a band-aid Let's pay your rental arrears, but you know your your income is so low that you're gonna you're gonna accrue rental arrears again. Um, so we have to, as a city, as a society, as a nation, really make a decision around what sort of value we want to give the citizens of the. And when I say citizens, I mean everybody that lives in this nation. Um, what what we're gonna how we're gonna treat the people that live in 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 this nation and and um or continue to create what is what happens now continue to uh do band-aids programs here and there and for um cycles of poverty just continue to perpetuate because just people do not have enough resources um to be able to you know um do do to uh, you know, have a job that pays them off money to 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 pay their rent and to support their family and to bring them to Coney Island once or twice a year. I know. 
I have another question for you too. <laughs> it's about immigration. People who are undocumented, do you help them also? Yes. So we, that is another, another silver lining of the <laughs> pandemic. It's just, wow, things that I never would have imagined. I know, right? <laughs> um, are happening now. So for the emergency rental assistance program, I'm going to say that first, ERAP that I was talking about earlier, uh, immigration status is irrelevant. They will ask people in the application for a social security number, but if they do not have one, that is completely fine, that it's not going to be a deterrent for them to help to get that. And also, uh, all the home-based program received a um, uh, award of uh, money, basically, to help undocumented people through a project uh, program we call Project Parachute or FASTEN. And that is uh, exclusively to help people who are undocumented uh, or uh, potentially people who have who live in non-traditional uh, work non-traditional employment like uh, I don't know delivery guys or, or that type of stuff um, that funding came from a combination of philanthropy uh, the all the foundations in the city of New York has freely stepped up during the pandemic and also a contribution from the association of the of the nonprofit and the for-profit landlords of the city um, and now every home based program has access to this to this fund that would help pay back rent for undocumented people and also provide them with case management services financial empowerment services and that type of stuff That sounds really good. So no matter what situation you're in, no matter what your background is, they're here to help you guys. Don't be scared. I know at first it might be kind of daunting, like, oh my gosh, I have to get help. But at one point in your people's lives, they need help. No matter how rich you are, you might not even need help in money if you're rich, but you might need mental health because money does not make you happy. The money doesn't, you know, solve, they solve certain problems, but not everything inside they can help you with. So don't feel any way. Don't feel embarrassed. They're here to help you. I'm hoping that they don't look down on you because you're coming for the service and one day they could be in your shoes also, you know? So just, yeah, keep your head up and just get the services to make you and your family better. And one day you're not always going to be at that point where you can't afford it. One day it will get better. Do you have any last words for the people? Um... I think your words were just so great <laughs> that I, I really don't know how to top that. Uh, you know, post our information, uh, you know, riseboro.org. You get all the information you need about our services there. And yeah, do what Kadisha says. Keep your head up and ask for help and um, there will be better days. Yes.